Good evening, it is 5 p.m. and you're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 101.9 FM, brought to you by CFRC's News Collective, composed of Alexandra Fernandez, Dinah Jansen, Chancellor Miracle, Christina Laurie, Zayden Vergara, Erica Singh, and Mary McKetty. I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and here are some local news headlines for you. Cezanne's Closet is Union Gallery's ever-popular annual fundraiser and has been a beloved local arts event in Cataraqui, Kingston since 1995. Tickets are $100 each and guarantee the ticket holder one artwork, but with a twist. Tickets are drawn in a lottery style, and when a ticket holder's number is called, they have two minutes to claim an artwork of their choice. Over 90 artworks are available in a wide range of styles, generously donated by new generation and established artists on a local, national, as well as an international scale. Everyone is invited to view Cezanne's closet artworks in person and the online artwork catalog. All funds raised directly support Union Gallery's not-for-profit mission and programming, including exhibitions, artist opportunities, workshops, and more. For more information, visit uniongallery.queensu.ca. Currently, the fundraiser preview exhibition is happening at the Union Gallery. The live virtual event will be happening over Zoom on February 4th, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., that is this Saturday, and you can purchase a ticket online for $100. The gallery hours are Tuesday to Saturday from 11 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. and Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m., so you can be sure to check it out. The Union Gallery is located on the main level of Stauffer Library on Queen's University campus. On May 1st, with the approval of the Ministry of Children, Community and Social Services, which is also known as the MCCSS, the operations of three early childhood development programs at KFL and Day Public Health will transfer to Kids Inclusive at the Kingston Health Sciences Center. This change will impact preschool speech language, blind, low vision, and infant hearing programs. It is anticipated that this transfer will not disrupt the services of these programs as they are already well aligned with the core services at Kids Inclusive. For over 50 years, Kids Inclusive has provided rehabilitation and support services for children and youth in the Frontenac and Lennox and Addington counties and is well positioned to onboard these three programs and integrate these programs into the new Smart Start Hubs initiative. The Smart Start Hub is a one-stop point of entry for families who have concerns about their child's development and would like to explore available options and supports. Noella Clawitter, director of Kids Inclusive, says KFL and Day Public Health and Kids Inclusive at KHSC are committed to working together to support a seamless transfer of these three programs for children and families, staff, contracted agencies, and community partners. Children and families will notice very little change in the delivery of care, and we look forward to welcoming the preschool speech and language, blind low vision, and infant hearing programs to the Kids Inclusive team. It is anticipated that most of the staff working in these programs will transfer with the program and at this time will continue to work from the KFL and Day Public Health main office. A strategic decision has been made to transfer the leadership of these programs as a result of pandemic recovery planning that indicated the need for KFL and Day Public Health to shift its organizational focus to mandatory public health programs and services outlined in the Ontario Public Health Standards. These three child development programs are not mandatory public health programs. We want to take this moment to thank the dedicated and skilled staff, strong leadership, and supportive contracted agencies and community partners for providing high-quality services to children and families for the past 20 years in our communities, says Dr. Piotr Oglaza, Medical Officer of Health at KFLNA Public Health. 
Education for Reconciliation is part of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's calls to action and is something with which every Canadian can engage. Join the Kingston Frontenac Public Library's online discussion sessions based on the University of Alberta's free online Indigenous Canada course and learn more about Indigenous cultures, worldviews, issues, and movements. Zoom discussions will run each Thursday from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. from Feb 16th to March 23rd, as well as April 13th to May 18th. Indigenous Canada is a self-led 12-lesson massive open online course comprised of video-based lessons. Discussion group participants will complete a lesson before each Thursday's discussion session, then talk about what they learned in the course, their questions, and what they want to explore further. You can register for the course at ualberta.ca and the KFL KFPL discussion group at calendar.kfpl.ca or you can also register over the phone at 613-549-8888. Jake Miller, who's the librarian of adult programming, says, we've offered this discussion series twice in the last two years and there's been significant interest. People want to learn about Indigenous experiences and these diverse communities, cultures, movements, and histories. This KFPL program is a chance to connect with others and honor historical and contemporary contemporary Indigenous perspectives. Again, you can register for the University of Alberta course by going online to ualberta.ca and you can register for the Kingston Frontenac Public Library discussion group at calendar.kfpl.ca. That's all for your local news headlines and now let's throw it over to Dinah Jansen for Campus Corner. Thanks so much. This is Campus Corner, and I'm Dinah Jansen. On Tuesday, January 31st, Queen's University Law students are bringing pro bono radio back to CFRC. Again, Tuesdays from 2 to 3 p.m. And you get a fascinating, in-depth look at the biggest topics in the world of law and the legal dimensions of emerging issues in politics and pop culture. And it's produced by students in the Queen's University Faculty of Law. And the first episode, we understand, will be featuring Professor David Friedman speaking about Ontario's Substitute Decisions Act and the Free Britney movement and how her life sparked conversations about similar laws in Canada and what might have happened if she were in Canada. And we caught up with Afshin Chowdhury of the Faculty of Law, who is part of the Pro Bono Radio Project, to learn more about what's coming up this season. Okay, Afshin, so tell us about your studies in the Faculty of Law and why you chose Queen's. Of course. I like to say that I've been a professional student as I've done now my fourth degree at Queen's. I started with my Bachelor of Arts, then I did my Bachelor of Education, my Master's in Arts, and now I'm in the Faculty of Law, all with Queen's. <laughs> so I've, I really love my time here and I found that it's a great place to have a community, to feel supported, to connect with people, but also enough space to be independent and grow on your own. And now you are part of the Pro Bono Radio team as well. But for some folks that may not be aware of what Pro Bono Radio is, can you tell us more about what is this project? Of course. So Pro Bono Radio is where students from the Faculty of Law, we get together and we individually or in groups, we get to choose something that we're just jazzed about that relates to the topic of law. And then we want to formulate some sort of an episode or a way for people to kind of accessibly engage with the topics that we're really excited about. So for example, a lot of people were enticed by the Free Britney movement. And then there was a podcast episode that came out with regards to the actual legal issues that were implicated. And we always want the podcast to be 
um, created in a way where anyone, regardless of your experience with law, is able to access it. And I think it's really beautiful that uh, we practice a sense of humility and that students are curating these podcasts and everyone feels like the intellectual capacities of law students is worth not just listening to, but showcasing and putting into the podcast and advertising it and feeling proud about. So mm-hmm. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful little thing that we have going on. <laughs> Amazing. And now, yes, a new season is about to drop for Pro Bono Radio right here at Queen's University. Tell us a little bit about what listeners can expect in this season. Of course, we've got so many fun things coming. Uh, there are a lot of people who are very excited about, or not excited, but just uh, drawn towards the Supreme Court decision on Chan Sullivan Brown, and it's a case on automatism. So this decision just sparked a lot of conversations, and we have an episode coming out about that. We also saw that there were a lot of labor and union strikes with regards to the imposition of the notwithstanding clause by the Ford government. So then we have another episode talking about that. We have so many areas of the law that are being covered, which I think is so incredible, given that we're a team of usually 10 people and we're just covering so many different areas of the law. And I'm actually collaborating with my fellow Nazneen, And we're doing an episode on the use of rap lyrics as evidence in criminal trial. And again, it's just, we're so grateful of the the generosity of people who decide to be our guests as we have Professor Kelly and Professor Kerr coming and and doing our podcast with us. So just really thankful of that as well. Fantastic. Uh, I'd like to hear a little bit more too about uh, Pro Bono Radio as an experiential learning project for law students as well, or even students thinking about going into law school. Uh, It sounds like a great opportunity for law students to really sort of mobilize their learning and understand case law and and how it can apply into how we think about day-to-day news stories. Let's hear more. Of course. So we, we actually go through a bit of a rigorous process in the sense that you have a lot of freedom to choose your topic. And then once you've chosen your topic, you have to put together an entire research proposal and a script, and that gets brought forth to a supervising lawyer and also our our tech master, Mark Dean. So we have Christy Nurse, who's our supervising lawyer, and we just kind of go through it together. And as a leader of Pro Bono Radio, I also get to look through the research and we make recommendations, we alter things, we want to elevate our intellectual thinking as well so that we're not just summarizing cases in the law, but we're also inviting our listeners to engage critically. Mm-hmm. So I think it's an amazing place to see how you feel about the law and something that you're excited about and be able to grow and share it in a professional setting. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, I'd love to hear more, too, about how current students at Queen's can get involved with Pro Bono Radio. Of course. So there's Pro Bono Students Canada, which is this amazing organization. And the Queen's branch is usually run by two law students. I just I don't even understand how people have the capacity to do these things. And it's so we get to apply and you get to choose your different projects. There are a lot of really interesting projects, research based or more so practice based and Pro Bono Radio kind of fits in between the two. So if you put in your application at the start of the year in September, so at the start of every school year in the fall term, then we just kind of go through the applications and we choose 
and select our participants and group mates. So that's 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 the way to get involved. And you know, it's a pretty easy process and it's very low stress experience. It's meant to be fun. We always say that, that this is supposed to be fun. And it will be. I'm really <laughs> excited that it's returning to CFRC's airwaves as well. And it's also available via podcast too. So uh, this is fantastic. It's wonderful to have Pro Bono Radio back on our airwaves. Uh, Afshin, anything else to add before we wrap today? Um, no, I think I think if I can leave anyone with some last thoughts, it would just be that thank you for listening to Pro Bono Radio. And the engagement and the high level engagement that we experience of people stopping us in the halls to say that they've listened to our episodes that really means a lot to us so thank you awesome well thank you so much folks we've been chatting with afshin chowdhury of the faculty of law all about the new season of pro bono radio still a podcast and returning to cfrc this week thanks so much afshin thank you Dina. So do tune in on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. for Pro Bono Radio, now back on CFRC's airwaves. And now over to Erica Singh with more in-campus news. Thank you, Dinah. It's election season here at Queen's. Here's a quick rundown of what's happening in some of the different election races around campus. Team ATP. A group of candidates composed of Amaya Walters, Teresa Rivera, and Preston Harrison is the only team running in this year's Arts and Science Undergraduate Society, or ACES, executive election. The team's priorities include equality, accessibility, financial transparency, improving student engagement, and building connections between students and the greater Kingston community. The Engineering Society, or NSOC, executive candidates debated for the elected positions on January 25th. The candidates running for President, Vice President of Student Affairs, and Vice President of Finance and Administration are running uncontested, while the candidates for Vice President of Operations and Junior Senator are running contested. The main theme of the debate was improving student engagement and moving the society forward. To get a full detailed report of this debate, visit the Queen's Journal. Students can vote in the NSOC election from January 30 to the 31st. Next, in the AMS, there are three teams running for the executive positions of the AMS. After the last uncontested election in 2021, Team ERA aims to tackle financial accessibility, improve student wellness and access to mental health care, and improve the university's health insurance plan. Team KMV's priority is accessibility and they aim to be a cheerleader for students representing the voices of all faculties. Team TBD plans to bring the Queen's community together and increase connectedness by focusing on clubs and hosting informal lunches for the AMS management. That's all for Campus Corner today. Thank you so much for joining us. Now over to Zayden Vergara with sports. Good evening, and here is your CFRC Sports Update. The Queen's University men's and women's basketball team took a trip to Ottawa over the weekend to challenge the Carlton Ravens and the Ottawa GGs. In the women's match against Carlton, the Ravens had a dominant first quarter, taking the lead 22-8 and did not relinquish the lead, ending the Gales' 14-game undefeated season. It was a similar story for the men's teams. Carlton took the early lead, but Queen's unfortunately did not catch up, losing the match 89-103. The next day, both basketball teams were 
were looking to bounce back in their game against the Ottawa GGs. The women's team took control with a 70-58 win, and the men's narrowly pulled ahead with a 76-62 win. With the win, both teams are able to continue to the top OUA East Division standings. Last weekend, the Queens women's hockey team defeated the Windsor Lancers in dominant fashion. Emma McKnight opened the scoring for Queens with a highlight reel shorthanded goal midway through the first period, killing a 5-on-3 power play. Six minutes later, scout Watkins Southward in her first game back from Helping Canada win gold at the FISU Games, scored on a deflected shot to give the Gales a 2-0 lead. The Lancers would manage to score near the end of the first, making it 2-1 going into the very first intermission, but Queens did not let up, continuing to add goal after goal, ending in a 5-1 victory for the Gales. That's all for your sports coverage today, and now we're going to throw it over to Christina Laurie with our community update. This is Chris coming in with your community update for this week. The ticketed event for Union Gallery's annual fundraiser, Cezanne's Closet, is fast approaching. This event has two components, a fundraiser preview exhibition at Union Gallery and a virtual ticketed event that will take place this Saturday, February 4th at 7pm. You can catch the preview exhibition on display at Union Gallery located in Stauffer Library or virtually at uniongallery.queensu.ca until the event on February 4th. For the live event, each ticket costs $100 and guarantees you one artwork. All funds raised directly support Union Gallery's future programming so that they can best support our communities and provide exciting and free workshops, wellness programs, artist opportunities, exhibitions, and more. You can visit uniongallery.queensu.ca or Union Gallery socials for more details. The Kingston Frontenac Public Library has announced lots of new upcoming programming for the month of February. First off, they'll be hosting online discussion sessions based on the University of Alberta's free online Indigenous Canada course, so people can learn more about Indigenous cultures, worldviews, issues, and movements. Zoom discussions will run each Thursday from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. on February 16th to March 23rd and April 13th to May 18th. You can register for the University of Alberta course at ualberta.ca and the KFPL discussion group at calendar.kfpl.ca or over the phone at 613-549-8888. Local financial planner and advocate Laura Southall recently released a new book, Financial Empowerment for Canadian Women. KFPL will be featuring Laura, her book, and her expertise in an online session on February 15th. The talk runs from 7 to 8 p.m. and you can register at calendar.kfpl.ca or again over the phone at 613-549-8888. Sandy Pines Wildlife Centre in Napanee, Ontario has launched a new online course to equip members of the public with the skills needed to identify a wild animal in distress and to safely secure and transport the animal to the centre for treatment. Without a dedicated rescue team, Sandy Pines Wildlife Centre relies on community members to bring the animals in themselves, which can be challenging for both the animal and the rescuer. The course, called Wildlife Aware Workplace Training, focuses on emergency response to wildlife in a workplace setting, from an office to a vehicle to a construction site. While the course is designed with workplace scenarios in mind, any member of the public can take the course. Workplaces with participants in the course can apply for Wildlife Aware certification to receive a digital award in bronze, silver, or gold to show their organization's commitment to the well-being of wildlife. As more community members gain knowledge and confidence in safely rescuing wildlife in their workplace, more animals will receive the time-sensitive medical care they need for successful rehabilitation and release. Visit their Facebook page at Sandy Pines Wildlife Center for more details. Those are all the updates I have for you today, and next up I'm passing it to Mary with the weather. Thanks so much. I'm Mary McKetty, and this is your CFRC weather report. To start off our Monday, you can expect cloudy conditions with a temperature of minus 12 degrees and wind chill of minus 18. There is a 60% chance of flurries heading into the afternoon, with winds up to 15 kilometers per hour. 
we will reach a high of minus 5 with a wind chill of minus 7. Monday night will remain mainly cloudy with a 40% chance of flurries. Winds hold steady, going up to 15 kilometers per hour, with a temperature low of minus 13 degrees and wind chill of minus 7, Monday evening. Tuesday begins with sunny conditions and chilly temperatures, reaching minus 13 in the early morning with a wind chill of minus 19. A temperature high of minus 7 is expected in the afternoon, followed by a low of minus 12 and cloudy skies for Tuesday night. Now over to Alex with our traffic report. Thank you so much. I'm Alexandra Fernandez and here is your weekly traffic report brought to you by the City of Kingston. Lower Brewer Swing Bridge is closed until further notice. McDonnell Street from Johnson to Earl will be closed until February 6 for new service connections on McDonnell. Market Street from Ontario to King will be closed until February 11th at 5pm for the Optic Interactive Sound and Light installation. University Avenue from Union to Earl will be closed until January 31st at 7pm. Wright Crescent from the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace is closed until October 31st, 2023 for construction staging. Please note that access to Wright Crescent is through the north intersection of Wright Crescent and Palace Road. The School Streets Initiative is in place from 8.40am to 9.10am and 3.20pm to 3.50pm on weekdays until June 29th, 2023. McDonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. Again, these streets are closed from 8.40 a.m. to 9.10 a.m. and 3.20 p.m. to 3.50 p.m. on weekdays until June 29th. The Play Street initiative is also in place. The following street is closed from 3.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. on Mondays until August 28th. Thomas Street from Cowdy to Patrick. Some other delays that you can expect. Front Road from Trailhead to King West, you can expect a lane closure on the north side until February 3rd from 7.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. each day. Highway 33 east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, you can expect some delays. Construction barrels and flag people will direct traffic around the work zone. And Jackson Mills Road near the KNP Trail will be reduced to one lane, but does remain open in both directions. King Street from Princess to Queen, you can expect a sidewalk closure until Feb 28th. You can also expect a sidewalk closure on Queen Street from King to Ontario until February 28th for the development happening at 18 Queen Street. And in regards to the Portsmouth Waterfront Pathway, the city has closed access to the pathway at the foot of Mowat Avenue and Young Street, as well as east of Lake Watch Lane to accommodate pathway and shoreline improvements. That's your City of Kingston weekly traffic report, and now we're going to throw it over to Mary with our events calendar for the week. Thank you so much. First off, there are three important academic deadlines to keep in mind. Both the Queen's General Bursary Appeal and Queen's Financial Awards deadlines arrive on Wednesday, followed by the deadline to drop winter term courses for a 50% refund on Friday. Remember to get your submissions in if these deadlines apply to you. On the note of deadlines, online tickets are still available until this Saturday for the Queen's Feminist Leadership and Politics QFLIP Ignite 2023 conference. Conference delegates will hear from a variety of inspirational speakers, participate in skill-building workshops, and meet like-minded individuals who share a passion for political advocacy. Online tickets are $35, so make sure to register at linktree slash QFLIP. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Q-F-L-I-P. 
Coming up on Thursday until February 8th, Peer Health Educator, PHE, will open registrations for their $5 fresh food boxes. Fresh food boxes contain fresh produce and key ingredients to make quick, healthy meals with up to four servings and can be picked up February 9th. The link to register online can be found on queensevents.ca. Information about pickup times, locations, and recipes for fresh food boxes will be sent to you upon re registration. Also on Thursday, Art Hive at Agnes picks up for the winter season. Art Hive is an art therapy initiative for everyone ages 16 and up and is facilitated by Harper Johnson in the Onslaught Billet Studio at the Agnes Etherington Arts Centre, located at 36 University Avenue. You can register for free online at agnes.queensu.ca slash participate. For a family-friendly Saturday and Sunday, you don't want to miss the Cabin Fever Winter Antique Show. This antique show is celebrating its 40th anniversary of offering diverse and affordable collections from dealers across Ontario and Quebec. The show will run from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday and 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Sunday, located at the Portsmouth Olympic Harbour, which is at 53 Young Street. For more information, please visit cabinfeverkingston.com. I'm Mary McKetty, and those are all the events we're highlighting for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in to CFRC's news programming. If you ever have a news story or tip to share, please reach out to news at cfrc.ca. Stay tuned for more programming coming up next. Thank you for listening to Today in YGK, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, situated on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.